I just think it's honestly a great opportunity to accumulate. And that's how we find those good projects because, uh, you know, the projects are just hot air. Uh, we've seen them fall. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode one of Blockcast with Simon and Will. Uh, here is my co-host Will. We are going to have some discussions about the current markets in the crypto space and some topics of interest for us. So, Will, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, Simon. Um, yeah, let's let's go for it. Yeah, let's get straight um, into it, eh? Yep. So let's talk about the markets, mate. Um, what do you think the market's been doing? How's it going? How are you feeling about it? Uh, I mean, I think <laughs> I want to say the I think uh, you know everyone wants to say that it's going uh, pretty badly. You know, uh, it, uh, I mean, we're talking about traditional markets and the blockchain, uh, you know, and DeFi as well. So we see the prices go down, uh, inflation rates. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, the states recently released a uh, report of the inflation rate. I think it was yesterday. And was it ten percent? Was it yeah, 9.1%? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, the way I see it is that, um, uh, I mean, it's it's just part of the natural cycle, you know. Like, we are if, if, if the market goes up, it's going to go down, and uh, we've been due for this for a long time, and you know, here we are. Uh, whereas some people might look at it in a negative light. I just think it's honestly a great opportunity to accumulate. And that's how we find those good projects because, uh, you know, the projects are just hot air. Uh, we've seen them fall. Uh, you could name, you know, a couple, name a couple of the figuratives, just like that. So um, I think I see the market as a great place in that uh, it's cleaning itself up it's uh, letting go of everything, like all the bad projects and what we're left with is a strong, great projects. And uh, it's a great opportunity for us who are expecting this. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I agree. And I, I found it quite interesting that the, the 9.1% inflation rate that everyone was worried about coming out of the US, the markets didn't react that badly, I don't think. There wasn't, actually they didn't react that much at all. It could have just been the general noise. So to me, mm. that kind of indicates that the market, I guess, is kind of, it's, it's done all its panic flushing. Um, mm. You know, we, we, we've been, you know, I guess, crabbing for a while, just going sideways with, with not a huge amount of up and down for a little while. And I think the market is, it's in an apathy kind of stage, I guess, where everyone's kind of bored and, and sorry mm. and sad about it. Um, mm. But hopefully, like, the, the contagions of, yeah, three hours capital and your Celsius networks and voyages and all that. Hopefully, that kind of contagion effort is behind us. Um, and it, but even during that period, you know, the market still say it stayed fairly crab-like. So I think we found a nice little accumulation area where we might sit in for quite a long time. Um, mm -hmm. And who knows how long? And we could still definitely have some you know big big pushes down at some point. You never know what's going to come around the corner. Um, but I think yeah, the the the, the case is the market is is bored. The, the market yeah. is um, much slower, but I think it's it's now a case of, okay, the, the people who really want to be here still here and all the pretenders are gone. And so I think it's a very interesting time to to be 
to be building and, and, and looking to new things in the market because yeah, we're, we're really going to see who's who's got the ability and the commitment and possibly even especially for protocols that the money behind them to actually keep going right now. Mm -hmm. The way I like to see it is uh, I like to see the market, especially the crypto market, as um, a kind of a space where you have, uh, I like to think of it as evolution, you know, and so it's, it's almost like an ecosystem with all of these uh, critters or apps, um, ecosystems and things going on. And then when we get bear markets, it's almost like you get that um, like asteroid event that comes in every now and then. And I actually think it's a good thing. So what it does is it introduces stress into the environment and then it pretty much just shakes everything up. And then it's the good things, the interesting pro projects, the strong ones that stay, that stay on. Um, and then you raise a repeat. So that happens and then the market recovers and then everyone is excited again, heaps of new different projects come in. And then you get the asteroid will always come, like it's always coming, you know? And so it's, it's up to projects to design themselves in a way that uh, like they can weather all of these things. Um, take, uh, was it a US, what is the dollar, uh, the dollar peg that crashed recently, uh, Luna, right? Luna, yeah. Yeah. So I would imagine that would never have hit it really uh, in a bull market. Uh, like at the peak of the pool, you know, but now that um, we're in a bear, uh, confidence in everything has been shaken, uh, you know, everyone saw the peg just drop a little bit, uh, there's a little bit of fear in there, and then that exposed the weakness in Luna that was always there from the start, but this was, this was the perfect conditions for it, and now we know better, you know, uh, now we know better as creators and investors, you know, do not invest in projects without due diligence and um, be really careful of uh, algorithmic stable coins, you know, uh, it's a holy grail of stable coins, but I, I don't know if we'll ever get there. I've got some favorite projects that are trying that, but, you know. There's um, been a lot of failures <laughs> in the algorithmic stable coins and definitely no bigger than Luna. I, I think the difference between this bear market and the last bear market was the last time you know, we really only had a few applications out there. It was literally just people trying to be money. So there's Bitcoin, there's Litecoin, Dogecoin was around back then. And then you had the Bitcoin forks, Bitcoin cash, and all those, um, and Ethereum. There was nothing else there. And so there was only that one real use case of money. Um, mm -hmm. And then Ethereum trying to be the smart contracts. Um, so it, it was there just before. Then there was a few, you know, Ethereum killers got created in the bull market then. Um, and then all the, you know, they all kind of died off. Whereas this time around, we've got a lot of really good use cases out there. You know, DeFi, obviously, massive one of them. NFT is another massive one of them. And But just underneath those two categories, tons and tons of protocols that are out there making money as well. So last yeah. time we didn't have that. Last time there wasn't a whole bunch of things making money. There was lots of dreams and promises. Um, but this yeah. time around, we've got a core layer of already successful projects that came into the bull, into the bear market last time, we're building, you know, thrive through a bull market, and they're still there, still making money now. So I think yeah. it's different this time in that there's, there's some real world applications in use now. So it'd be interesting to see what comes out the other side of this because there's still going to be, you know, innovation of new things, but you know we're going to see some real, I guess, pillars 
of the crypto space stand up to say, hey, look, we've survived two bear markets. We're still here. We're still making money. Um, and I think yeah. that's going to be, you know, a, a real sign of maturity for the market when it's not just Bitcoin and Ethereum. There are now a bunch of other things that are actually worthwhile, you know, long term. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, you definitely want to, uh, I mean, if I had to put my money somewhere and, and instead making money, but not only making money, but these projects are holding a whole bunch of money. I mean, you're talking, I mean, the billion, we're in the billions of dollars with uh, all of these DeFi projects, um, you know, Aave uh, and all of them holding all of this money that is not theirs. And it's just all entrusted to a smart contract. So, um, yeah, if the economics were done right, and like you said, uh, if, if these projects have gone through several bear markets and survived, you know, um, that's that's like a big mark of confidence. You know? I totally agree with you. Yeah, and we're going to learn. You know, we 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 know we didn't we didn't need you know a hundred different you know automatic market yeah. makers. You know, we just didn't need that. But that's what was getting created, and you know, people were just chasing up the next big thing. And so the, the, the big pillars are there, you know, like you can never see the Uniswap going, you know, that's just it really seems unfathomable to see Uniswap ever actually disappear from the radar, even though they kind of, they kind of weren't, kind of were first movers. They weren't really the first one to do it, but I guess they were the one to take it really mainstream. But yeah, it's hard to see a world without them. So maybe that does become, you know, another blue chip. You know, people talk about blue chips as only being Bitcoin and Ethereum, but I think coming out of this bear market, there'll probably be another five, you know, coins or tokens oh, yeah. or whatever to, to add to that blue chip list, I think, going forward. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they're all starting to duplicate themselves. Uh, like, uh, you know, Aave, we all know Aave, but then you have all of these little other uh, lending protocols. And these are the small blockchains with their own, um, call it a unique value proposition, but really uh, it's a lending protocol. Like there's no difference. And assuming it's done right, it's it's exactly the same as Aave. And um, yeah, it does make you wonder, um, you know, is, you know, at what point do we say that's enough? Like, do we really need another protocol? Do we need another lending protocol? Do we need another decentralized exchange? Um, but then maybe another way of looking at it is that it also creates redundancy. So yeah, redundancy and choice, and I guess competition between these protocols. Uh, but they are starting to get pretty prolific. I think there's always going to be some competition. So there's never going to be just the one. You know, you take that in any industry, there's always a few. Like you might get some big behemoths to take over the huge chunk of the market um, with all of these other ones. But I guess the thing that I can see going forward is that you, know, you do have a smaller project with a, you know, a unique point of difference. I can't see mm -hmm. why the larger guys wouldn't just swallow that up and take that, you know, take that idea and put it within this because liquidity talks. And so, yeah. you know, if you've got the big bags and someone else comes with a really good idea, well, you're just going to copy that idea as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think, yeah, that the, the big guys will just eat everyone else's lunches. And I think um, mm. it's, it's going to be hard. You have to have a real point of difference, um, something that's mm. unique that the others can't replicate easily, mm. which is hard to yeah. trace because, you know, it's all open source. Okay, it's pretty easy to replicate it. They've shown yeah, exactly. how they've done it. Exactly. So it's interesting going uh, forward. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's get on to one of the topics that I want to pick your brain on tonight, Will. Uh, because I am not a coding person. I don't have that technical background. But recently we've heard that Solana have gone out and 
purchase their own phone company. Um, so I want to get your opinion on why does a software protocol care or need to have its own phone? Why do they need the hardware element of it? And what is it that Apple or Google aren't providing with their, well, not Google and their hardware, but what are those current existing hardware not providing that Solana want? That's a really good point, actually. Um, so I think they sold it as uh, three components. Uh, one was the hardware part, which was just, um, I guess you could call it like a ledger in a phone. It's, it's just, uh, I guess, a chip that's um, uh, sort of really well segmented off of the rest of the system. So that, that was the first, first part of their uh, presentation. And then the second one was their uh, software stack. Um, and then the third one, which I actually liked the most was a dApp store. So to be honest with you, I, I, I couldn't say that um, the hardware makes a massive difference. So um, obviously I think we can all agree that uh, hardware wallets are the most secure, um, but I do not particularly see the advantage of storing it, uh, having that uh, in a phone. Um, like phones are generally really secure. So not everyone has hardware wallets. Uh, some people store it on paper wallets, some store it on their laptops, which is a terrible idea. And then uh, phones are, actually do have pretty good security, uh, Android and iPhone, as long as your phone isn't rooted. So, um, and I actually did see them in a meeting and they said that the key component of what they were introducing really wasn't so much the hardware. The hardware is great. Great, you've got a ledger in your phone. Uh, the thing that was more interesting was the SDK, uh, which makes it way easier for any coder to, uh, to interact with it. So I think the thing that excites me most about their phone really isn't the phone, it's just the SDK uh, and the DAP store. Uh, and I think the DAP store is super important um, in that we need, I think we need a decentralized uh, place where apps can sit uh, that Android and iOS uh, users can access. So the problem is that we all know that uh, Android and uh, iOS are gatekeepers. Uh, so, you know, they dictate what app I can have on my phone. Uh, they've got a great system, but really I would really like free uh, I'd like the choice of what I can install on my phone. Uh, and mind you, I guess I would bear responsibility. Uh, but as long as the phone honestly uh, isn't rooted, uh, you could install anything and it would probably be fine. Uh, yeah. You really have to work hard to mess things up on your phone. I think. So I, I, I kind of get that concept of it, but I guess, you know, their phone also has to actually be a really good phone then as well, because they're, you know, people use their phones for many other things other than just blockchain. So people aren't just going to go get a phone just because it works well with blockchain if it can't do all the other things really well. So are they going to fall on their feet when they sit there going, well, hang on, nobody actually wanted this in the first place because it doesn't do all the things a phone does? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then the other thing is that, so the way they pitched was as if, you, you, uh, as if regular phones can't run dApps. Mm. But the truth is that they've been doing it since, uh, I, I think, 2018. Um, I, in fact, the first dApp, I forget what it was, but it was a wallet and a chat app on Ethereum. I can't remember the name. It's, I'm not even sure if it's still in existence, but I could run it off of my Android in, in 2018. Um, 
And um, yeah, like you, you actually do have uh, heaps of different uh, projects with uh, SDKs that let you connect uh, like that really quickly. Take the Kin ecosystem. Uh, the SDK uh, runs on Solana. Uh, as a developer, you could hook it up to uh, web, Android, um, iOS in all of 20 minutes. You'd, you'd be sending crypto, you know. Um, mind you, it wouldn't be a dApp, it would be a phone, uh, it would be an app running on, you know, from the App Store. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, the, the phones trade crypto all the time. You, you've got your crypto wallets. So, from the user's point of view, it's like, What's the difference? I could trade crypto with my old phone. Why am I paying $1,000 for this one? The camera isn't that great. Um, but I do want to applaud them for pushing along that direction. If it, you know, I hope we'll get to a point in time where uh, we've all got hardware wallets in our phones. Um, but until then, you know, I'm pretty happy with my ledger. It sounds, <laughs> sounds to me that what you're basically saying is Solana had too much money and they went and, you know, bought a promise to make people feel good about the, the crypto environment rather than uh, something that people might use. Anyway, we'll, we'll wait and see. Maybe they'll come up with it, but I, I'm pretty sure that they're not the first people to, to talk about this or even buy a company before. Let, let's give them a chance to try and find out. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I love innovation. I, I'm glad they did it. I can't exactly see uh, the, the end point. Maybe they're driving towards something, but um, yeah, I guess let's, let's see how it goes. Maybe, maybe they want to take on Apple. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they sit there and go, let's take on the big boy. Maybe. Yeah. All right, yeah. cool. All right, let's go on to our next topic, which I want to talk about today, is that we've obviously seen the demise of CFI, in my opinion, or the fallacies of, of CFI, this bear market. We, Celsius Network, Three Hours Capital, Voyager, uh, all going bankrupt. Celsius just announced their bankruptcy the other day, which I think was, everyone knew that was coming. Um, compared to DeFi, where there's a lot of narrative going around that people say that sell, CFI failed, DeFi you know, survived, thrived even. Um, and I, my opinion is that I think they're right. I think they're right that DeFi did do as it was supposed to. DeFi protected its lenders. CFI did not protect its lenders. Um, and DeFi did that through you know, it's automated system of liquidating people who had, you know, borrowed too much and they become under, under collateralized. Um, I also think, though, that CFI could and should work if it wasn't the human in the way that was greedy because DeFi is over collateralized, we've got to remember. The rest of the traditional finance world is not over collateralized. So DeFi survived because of that. Um, so it worked, but it's not working as good as, I guess, traditional finance need, or maybe even the real world need in, in their chase for, they yeah. need to chase for yield, I think, is probably what I think, where CFI was showing huge yields. We didn't know what they were doing with it. It was trust us, not trust the blockchain. It was trust us. Yeah. So DeFi worked, um, but DeFi still, still wasn't at that under collateralized point. And that might've been a different mm. testing point for it. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, that's that, that's a really good point. Uh, so I do agree with you that um, uh, like CFI, we, we've seen a whole bunch of CFI projects uh, get hit. Um, uh, so and you know that's that's sad. So it's a bunch of people trying, you know, trying to do business. Maybe they're honest. Maybe they just made a mistake. 
Um, you know, but the truth of the matter is, um, it you know, it, it crashed. Like, like those companies all went underwater. And then we've got, um, and then to also be fair, like we've, we've had DeFi projects collapse as well. So there's Luna, uh, that was uh, all smart contracts doing pretty much exactly what they're supposed to do. So really anyone who was looking at it could have seen that it was going to happen. But there, there, um, might be the, <laughs> there might be the argument from Luna that it, it worked exactly how it was supposed to. So everybody knew this was a possibility. Anyone who, who knew enough about it knew this was a real possibility. Whereas I don't think for Celsius Network, I don't think people really knew it was a possibility. They were trusting them a little bit too much. Whereas Luna was slightly different. But you're right, it still failed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. But then um, I, was, I was going to say the, the good thing with... Uh, DeFi is that we can all peer into the smart contract um, and we can see exactly what it's going to do. Uh, we don't even have to look at the smart contract. We can look at the, the contract itself and then we can see exactly how much money is in there. We can also see exactly how much has been loaned. So we can see all of these things. Um, and, and granted that they also, I mean, they, they could also fail. Like you, you're never at a hundred percent certainty. So we all know that the first DAO uh, in Ethereum, um, you know, crashed uh, or, or rather was hacked, uh, leading to Ethereum Classic and uh, Ethereum. I don't know, original. <laughs> um, yeah, really. Yeah. So it's 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 funny that we're all on the Ethereum fork, um, but. Um, but, but yeah, so so the good thing with DeFi, I think, is that we can we we don't have to trust it because we can actually just verify ourselves. We don't have to trust it. We can look look under the hood and just verify everything. Whereas the problem with anything that is CFI uh, in the blockchain space and CFI uh, in traditional space, and that includes all of those companies that have gone down. Uh, Enron, I think, was a big one. Uh, uh, banks are going down and getting bailed out all the time, uh, and it's not until the point that they announced their bankruptcy, that everybody goes, what the hell? Like I had my money in there, yeah. um, you know, and, and the day before it's all, oh, everything's honky dory, don't worry about it. Um, and then meanwhile, you know, here's my uh, bankruptcy filings and, you know, there's the CEO getting his golden parachute. So I'd say going forward, like I would have my confidence more uh, in a smart contract, like we were talking about before, that has gone through bear markets, has been battle tested. Like, I think that's where I probably put a lot of my money. And then we're also talking about diversification. Like, we have all of these DeFi products that do the same thing. So maybe that's a great point that they're there. So let's say I've got a lot of money and I don't want to put everything, trust everything into one smart contract. Well, I've got 10, 10 projects that have been battle tested and I can split them all up. And you know, hopefully they'll all stay up, but it's very unlikely that all of them will go down. You know, no, I think it comes so, back to a degree people's level of education in the space as well, because you know the, the the reason why Celsius was looking so good for everyone was just simply that you know people didn't know how to interact with DeFi, but they could understand the concept of depositing money into Celsius, effectively, you know, a crypto bank. You know, people understood I send money here, deposit it here, and you earn me yield. Whereas it's a big step change in education and knowledge to know how to start interacting with blockchain, how to start, you know, using your, your ledgers and things like that, metamasks. So that's the thing that the key thing is that, you know, it was easy for people and they're offering amazing rates. So everyone went crazy for it and they, you know, forgot about the risks involved. 
Um, so I think maybe this time around, you know, the people who lost money and all these uh, things are probably yeah. going to say, no, I need to upgrade my learning. Yeah, that's a really good point. And then it also brings us back to uh, the UI, which I think is terrible, but is improving. But yeah, it, it, interfaces like have come a long way, but they're still not great. Sometimes, um, like I'll, 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 sometimes I want to play around with, with some projects and I don't even understand the terms. Like sometimes it's uh, derivatives on derivatives on derivatives. And I go like, I think I'm a smart guy, but I can't tell if this is genuine or if it's a scam. Mm -hmm. um, but then you've got simpler projects like Aave, which is really simple. Just, you know, put your money in this vault and, and, and you know, you're fine. Uh, but I totally agree with you that um, like, like we do need to get educated uh, I think the public in general need to sharpen their skills if they're going to put anything substantial anywhere. They really need to do their research. Um, and the way the way I do it is um, I, tr I try and find people who are smarter than me. But the problem is it's kind of hard to tell uh, uh, between bravado and smarts. So because mm -hmm. there's again all these people on YouTube uh, and they go, you know, like this this is the next best project. So that's always a challenge. Uh, but I think. I think uh, for the regular user, if we can find somebody who we recognize, they're, they're kind of like recognizing the space. Uh, so we know Vitalik, uh, uh, you know, there's heaps of names out there that we know they're trusted and we know that they, they're projects that they like. So that's one signal that I use out of many signals. Um, yeah, but in the end, it's, it's all about um, yeah, doing your own research and, and all of that. And hopefully these interfaces will get better. Yeah, it takes time and we're all learning and uh, we're, we're all trying to get better at it. So I think that's uh, part of what having these discussions is about, isn't it, mate? To, to make sure we can uh, we can upgrade our skills and help other people upgrade their skills. Yeah, that's it. All righty. Well, Will, I think we are done for our first episode, mate. So thanks very much for being on the journey with me. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Simon. I think I think this is going to be great. And that, that, was, that was a lot of fun. Looking forward to the next one. All right, mate. <laughs> See you, everyone. All right.